Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. John chapter 18, beginning to read at verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have him handed over to you. Pilate said, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. But we have no right to execute anyone, they objected. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. Pilate then went back inside the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Is that your own idea, Jesus asked, or did others talk to you about me? Am I a Jew? Pilate replied. Your own people and chief priests handed you over to me. What is it you have done? Jesus said, My kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. With this, he went out again to the Jews gathered there and said, I find no basis for a charge against him, but it is your custom for me to release to you one prisoner at the time of the Passover. Do you want me to release the king of the Jews? They shouted back, No, not him. Give us Barabbas. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. The story is told of two men who were wandering around an art gallery. And as they walked and as they looked at the various displays, they started to mock what they saw. They were joking about the quality of the artist's work. They were critical of the use of color and of light. And as they were criticizing the, the work, the curator came up behind them and he said, gentlemen, in this gallery, the quality of the art is not in question. However, the same cannot be said for those who come to visit. And with that, he walked away. This morning, something similar is going on as we come to John's account of Jesus before Pilate. He's on trial. And just picture the scene. Jesus is, is bound. He's bruised and bleeding from having been struck. And by now, he's all alone. No army, no friends, no followers. He looks so weak. But as this trial unfolds, we see that Jesus is absolutely in charge of everything that is going on. He is the true king who has come from heaven. And as the Jews demand the death of an innocent man and as Pilate fails to intervene, we'll see that actually the ones on trial are the other players. The Jews 
Pilate. It is their hearts being exposed. Here in South Yorkshire, before this pandemic began, only around 2% of people attended church. The vast majority of this area has, has no time at all for Jesus. And if we're Christians, it can be very hard being the only Christian in our class at school or in the office at work or on our street in our neighborhood. We can wonder if we've made a mistake about Jesus when so many people have no time for him at all. And this morning we'll see that the issue is not with Jesus, but rather with the hearts of the world around us. As the Jews and as Pilate join forces, together they represent the world in hostility to Jesus. Come and look at the heart of the world. Whether we're brand new to Christian things or we've been coming to church for years, we would all do well to assess our own hearts as we look at this rejection of Jesus this morning. Well, let's dive in. What does this trial reveal about the human heart? First, we see deep hypocrisy. We pick it up, verse 28. Then the Jewish leaders took Jesus from Caiaphas to the palace of the Roman governor. By now, it was early morning, and to avoid ceremonial uncleanness, they did not enter the palace because they wanted to be able to eat the Passover. There is a view around today that if there is a God, then he doesn't care how we live. He'll just welcome us in no matter what we do. But, but that's not true. The God of the Bible is a God of absolute purity and holiness. And so these Jewish leaders are on to something. They realize that cleanliness matters. Well, let's read on. Verse 29. So Pilate came out to them and asked, What charges are you bringing against this man? If he were not a criminal, they replied, we would not have handed him over to you. The Jewish response seems a little prickly. Reading between the lines, they're getting impatient. It's almost certain that they've, they've been to Pilate previously to unveil their charges against Jesus, claiming that he's a rebel king against the Roman authorities. I say that because of what Pilate asks Jesus in verse 33. Pilate then went back into the palace, summoned Jesus and asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He knows to ask that question because that's the charge the Jews have brought against him. And that's why Jesus replies, verse 34, is that your idea? Or did others talk to you about me? And of course they had been. Look, here is the Jewish game plan. They want Jesus dead. But because of Roman occupation, they don't have the right to execute him on their own. They need to bring Pilate in and to get him to agree that Jesus must be executed. They need to find a charge that Pilate will take seriously. I remember growing up, if I wanted to get a sibling in trouble with the parents, then certain accusations 
like biting or, or throwing chewing gum, they tended to get a more swift response from the parents. Well, if you wanted to get Pilate rushing out of his palace to see what's going on, then you needed to accuse Jesus of being a rebel king out to stir up trouble against Rome. That would do it. So this Jewish plan, it's a good one. The only problem is that the charges against Jesus are totally rubbish. As Jesus puts it to Pilate in verse 36, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. Jesus absolutely is a king. More on that in just a moment. But he's not the kind of king who is a political threat to Pilate or to Rome. He's just told Peter, put your sword away. But here's the shock. The Jewish leaders don't care that Jesus is innocent. They are plotting nothing less than cold-blooded murder. And when Pilate comes back out to the Jews later on and asks if they want Jesus released, verse 40, they shouted back, no, not him, give us Barabbas. And John, in his typical way, just adds a little afterthought that says everything. Verse 40. Now Barabbas had taken part in an uprising. The Jews, they don't care about loyalty to Rome. They just want Jesus dead. And so here is deep hypocrisy. The Jews are are claiming the moral high ground by staying outside a Gentile palace to be clean for the Passover, whilst over here plotting the murder of an innocent man. And of course, hypocrisy is not a Jewish problem. It's a human problem. The politician who says, we must keep the lockdown rules but then drives hundreds of miles to visit relatives. If you were to be a passenger in my car, you'd hear me muttering about other motorists not being able to use their indicator, and then you'd see me at the next roundabout forgetting to use mine. The person who says we must love our neighbor by looking after the environment, they cycle everywhere and recycle everything, but then at home with the people they live with, they're grumpy and irritable. But human hypocrisy is seen most clearly and most seriously of all in how we think that if there is a God, then he must love us. Even though we live in his world and we take the good gifts he gives us without thanking him, and in fact, we tell him to shove off. It's the same heart response as these Jewish leaders who thought that they were right with God even as they killed his son. Here is deep hypocrisy. Some of us 
might be thinking, well, hang on a minute. This is a bit steep for me. But isn't that the problem with hypocrisy? It tends to blind us. Last week, we saw dear Peter publicly and terribly denied Jesus three times. And by the end of that cycle, he was devastated. Luke tells us in his account that Peter wept bitterly. He's undone by his sin. But here this week, the Jews, guilty of cold-blooded murder, blinded to how serious their sin is. And so look, it is a pretty grim picture of the human heart. Exposed as this trial unfolds. But there is good news. Jesus has come to die for hypocrites. Look at verse 32. This took place to fulfill what Jesus had said about the kind of death he was going to die. You see, Jesus didn't just know that he would die. He also knew how he would die. Back in John 12, he said that he must be lifted up from this earth, showing us the kind of death he would die, a death on the Roman cross. Which means that Jesus must have known the circumstances, the the false accusation, the hypocrisy needed for him to be killed by the Romans on their cross. which also means that even as Jesus is here, bound, bloodied, beaten, mocked, on his own, looking so weak, he is the king from heaven in charge of everything going on. And he is choosing to die this way on that cross for these people, the world. For God so loved this world a world full of hypocrites. And John is at pains to remind us that this all took place at the Passover. Many centuries before, God rescued his people from his own just anger at their sin by providing a Passover lamb, a substitute that died on behalf of the people And here, John is showing us that Jesus is the Passover lamb who takes away the sin of the world. And so even in this moment of hypocrisy and hostility, Jesus, in his love, is dying for this world as the perfect substitute to bring a cleanliness we could never earn on our own. Of course, there is painful irony here. The Jews are trying to be clean for the old Passover whilst killing the true Passover lamb that brings true cleanliness. And sadly today, many people in this world think that they can be clean through their own efforts. And in thinking that way, they miss out on the true cleanliness that comes from the Passover lamb. Christians, we need to be careful. One of the quickest ways to kill our love and joy for the Lord Jesus is to begin to think again that we can make ourselves clean 
And so often it is hypocrisy that makes us think that way again. But John's main point is to reassure us. The world might reject Jesus, but the issue is not with Jesus, it is with the world. And so this Easter, let's be bold. We have the best news in the world of a Passover lamb who died to take away the sins of the world. If people would only listen and see, they would find true cleansing from their sin. Jesus came for the broken Peters of this world, but also for the blind hypocrites. Well, that's the first thing we see revealed about the human heart, deep hypocrisy. Second, and more quickly, a denial of the truth. So far, the the camera has been focused on the outside, on the Jews, but now the camera swings inside the palace to this conversation between Pilate and Jesus. And we've already seen the key question is whether he is a king, and the answer he's given, verse 36 again, my kingdom is not of this world. Jesus is a king, but not a political king. We cannot go to a particular country and say, that is where he is the king. This country, Britain, never has been, never will be a Christian country. Not in this sense. Jesus' kingdom is not of this world. And this world remains hostile to King Jesus. There's much more we could say about his kingdom. But I want to zoom in on what happens next. Verse 37. You are a king then, said Pilate. Jesus answered, you say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. It was back in the Enlightenment in the 19th century that people started to claim that we could understand our world without God. With science and, and human reason, we had all that we needed to understand ourselves and the world. And of course, for a hostile world looking for some way to reject God, it was a very attractive proposition. But it's been a complete disaster. The Enlightenment says it's down to us to discover the truth. But the problem is, as we all set out on this glorious quest to discover the truth, we all come up with different answers. I come up with with my truth. Matt comes up with with his truth, which might sound fine until my truth clashes with, with Matt's truth. Or I start using my truth to oppress Matt and his truth. And that's what's happening today. We cannot agree on what is true. And so we're left in a world at sea, full of uncertainty, where we have our own private truth, but we're not sure if that's even true, and we're left not being able to trust anyone else and their version of the truth. And it's an exhausting and stressful way to live our lives. But look at what Jesus is saying. He is not just another voice in the world offering some angle on truth. No, he is the truth. 
He comes from outside of the goldfish bowl of our world. He comes from heaven. And he's not claiming to be part of the truth or the, some angle on the truth. No, his voice, his words are the truth. And of course, this would be an outrageous claim for anyone else to make apart from Jesus. The one who has come from the Father, from heaven into our world. He alone can reveal who God truly is to us. And in case this claim to truth sounds oppressive or scary, remember Jesus is deliberately choosing to die on a Roman cross dying to save hypocrites, dying to save people who push him away. He hasn't come to oppress us with the truth. He's come to set us free with the truth. He has come to make God known. He has come to show us how we can have eternal life. But Pilate's reaction is very telling. Verse 38, what is truth? And he sidesteps the claim. But notice, he then goes back on the outside and he speaks to the Jews again. One of the ways that John structures this trial scene is that he has two groups, the Jews over here on the outside and Jesus over here on the inside. And, and Pilate runs back and forth between the two groups. He has a decision to make. Which side will he land on? And here, as he hears the claim of Jesus, will you side with me? He turns his back and heads out to the Jews and he sides with them. He is not on the side of truth. This claim Jesus is making, to be the true king of heaven, come to testify to the truth, it's a claim that demands a decision from us. People try to make Jesus out to be only a good moral teacher, along with many other good moral teachers in this world. But Jesus is claiming so much more than that. Either he is the truth, or he is a liar that must be silenced. He forces us to make that decision about him. And just like Pilate all those centuries ago, the world today is not on the side of truth. People are not desperately searching, trying to find God somewhere in this world. No, God has come into the world in the person of Jesus, and the world is busy pushing him away, preferring darkness over light. This should humble us. If we're Christians watching this this morning, the only reason why we look at Jesus and see truth is because God first opened our eyes. Otherwise, we would be in the dark. But John's main point is to help us not to be thrown by a hostile world. The issue is not with Jesus. It's with the world. And so let's keep proclaiming Christ. He is the truth our lost and confused world desperately needs to hear. Let's pray. Father, as we see what the world is really like, we thank you all the more for the great love of Jesus who came to die for this world. Amen.